0: Definitely creating content that helps people is really the solution.
1: What really works is building a community, consistently doing events like webinars and producing content specifically for certain categories. You earn that raise and you earn that job. Welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Hey,
0: everybody. Welcome to the next edition of Future Fuzz, the B2B marketing podcast. Welcome today onto the show, Colin Day from Octopus. Hi, Colin. How are you doing?
1: Very good, Justin. Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you very much for coming on. We were just talking earlier about you living in the countryside and uh, and your mushrooms in the garden. We'll come back to that later.
1: And and Future Fuzz, Justin, I mean, it's like, um, you know, if you look at me, it's just something I wish I had. (laughs)
0: You wish you had indeed, okay. Well, Fuzz is my nickname, but that's a long story. Oh. And the future bit comes from talking about, yeah, future trends and what we can do in the future in business.
1: Nothing to do with your hairstyle then, my friend.
0: No, nothing about that. <laughs> Colin, um, 2023 was a was a bit of a slog for a lot of uh, companies. Um, you know, layoffs in the industry, high interest rates, cost of living crisis, VC money drying up um how did you find it and will 2024 be better
1: yeah i think look from the the an octopus perspective right if we look at the octopus business itself and, and the company um the the industry itself right what was happening it's like um in one of our major um you know uh, sectors technology right a lot of um you know what you've just spoken about there was was very relevant to the technology sector. So post itself as a business, we didn't have any layoffs. Yeah, We've never let anyone go because we can't afford them. Yeah, We've been very conscious right, about how we structure um, the business for, for growth. Uh, if we looked at our investment, uh, we were founded in 2013, um, August of 2013. Um, we took uh, an initial seed round of around $800,000 and as you can think, right, from a startup, you're probably burnt through that within the first 12 months. We didn't come back to market until August of 21, um, when we took a secondary round from Expedition Growth Capital um, of 20 million. And that's been us to date, right? Everything we've done has been um you know self funded through through the business and and through the platform that we've put out there and the amazing customers that uh, that we've got using Octopost. Um, that being said, you're right, 2023 was a slog, right? As a sales leader, as a marketing leader, I always talk about the, the volume, the value, and the velocity, right, of, of the trades and, and opportunities that we're, we're bringing in. And if we look at um, each of those, right, they were all impacted in 2023, right? The, maybe the, the average order value dropped a bit as organizations mm. were being more cost conscious and having to um look to do the the age old verbiage of of you know more with less, right? It's like um, you know how do I squeeze um you know the the, the vendors and partners that I work with to to get like um you know more value from uh, from that investment. The the volume, right? It's like um the number of deals uh, maybe um you know needed to increase yeah because you had a um, you know that that first lever, like um, you know, got pulled back on 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 the value, and then the velocity. We saw, um, you know, the the sales cycle um, increase. Maybe our average, um, you know, going into twenty twenty three was around sixty days. Maybe coming out, it was more like seventy to eighty days.
0: Right. Okay. And then your thoughts for twenty twenty four? What do you see on the horizon for for businesses, especially you know SaaS? A lot of people listening in come from SaaS background.
1: Yeah, and, and look, we're a SaaS platform provider ourselves, right? It's like, a, and we buy, um, you know, SaaS, uh, SaaS solutions. Um, what, what I, I mean, I'm optimistic for 2024. I've just been listening to, uh, um, to Radio 5 Live, and maybe that shows my age. Yeah, um, but I just, as I was, know, yeah, walking around, so like, on um, the blocks, so like like, um, preparing myself for, for this conversation, Justin, so I'm like, um, tuning into Radio 5 Live, and they they had, um, you know, their money program. On, right? right, and it was saying that um, you know if you looked at um, you know the the last um, you know quarter of, of 2023, it's like um, we're in a technical recession in the UK. Yeah, right. It's like, um, um, but if you look at the long term, yeah, um, you know forecast and, and outlooks, like um, you know the UK is going to be growing a eh, little bit, but it's going to be growth. Right, it's so like um, you know, so across twenty twenty four, it's so like um, you know, growth of of one to two percent, it's like a um, you know, small digit growth, but growth nevertheless, and and that just feeds optimism in businesses and means that um, um you know, maybe budgets um, start to open up and uh, um, you know, we can align ourselves to, uh, to to the important metrics that um, our customers are looking for in so much as how do I take social intent signals, put them into other platforms or put them into the hands of the relevant people in the company so that they can use that data to inform business activities such as lead score and attribution modeling, segmentation, et cetera.
0: Great. Thanks, Colin. Brilliant, Colin. So tell us about Octopost and and what it does and how it helps businesses.
1: Yeah, great question. So Octopost is a social engagement platform built specifically for B2B organizations. Um, What we do is we empower the likes of Finestra, um, the likes of Snowflake, the likes of ACI Worldwide, the likes of Fujitsu, just a, a number of the brands that are using the Octopost platform. We empower them to take or create content and share it out over their corporate social channels, the likes of LinkedIn, X, uh, Facebook, etc. right? Others do exist yet. Yeah, take some of that content, share it with employees like you and me, Justin, so that we can amplify the reach across our own personal networks. Why do brands want to do that? Well, it's called social, right? When was the last time you were social with a brand? Maybe yeah. it was British Airways. Others do exist, but maybe it was an airline, right? In the summer, when you were berating them about you know your plane being late or um, you know something, it's, it's normally a, a rant and a monologue, right? It's like, um, so you know, how do we how do we get that engagement? We we bring in employees, so we put that content into the hands of, of employees, so that they can advocate. We call that employee advocacy, so they can advocate the brand. Um, because people are eight times more likely to engage with a post that you put out, say, on LinkedIn than your company puts out. And off the right. back of that, they're seven times more likely to convert. So advocacy is a huge way yeah, for brands to um, empower their number one resource, right? their number one investment, their people, yeah, to take the brand message and put the brand message out there and then use that to, to drive um, you know, sales and marketing activities.
0: And in the world of B two B, with these brand advocates, these employee advocates, I should say, um, where it, where's the most activity? Is it on LinkedIn? Is it also on on other channels like X or, or email? Any anywhere else? Just sounds odd calling it X, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Let's just got to say out. it. But, I'm but, uh, not going to say um, brackets formerly Twitter, which the BBC yeah. still does, even though we all know, <laughs> we all know now, it's called X. Now, now, now you're making
1: it sound like Prince, right? It's what like the artist formerly <laughs> known as. Uh, so you know, if if we look at it from a, a B2B perspective, yes, the number one social channel for for B2B is is LinkedIn. Can't get away uh, from it.
0: And what by what percentage point would you say?
1: Yeah, that, that's that's an that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting point as well because we did a uh, uh, back in November of twenty three we we had um, Karen Tran from Forrester do a uh, do a presentation with us. Um, it's available on the website. That's a shameless plug. Sorry, um, we we uh, we had a uh, um, a webinar with uh, with Karen, and with that, like um, she actually put some metrics out there, and. I've, think if I recall it was around yet yeah, 40 to 50% um was was over LinkedIn
0: 40 to 50% which is it was yeah. a real, that's a significant chunk isn't it
1: and, and where and, um, and the other channels think, then yeah. when you think of the other channels right you've got yeah. you know x you've got Facebook you got um you know a growing um uh b2b presence on the likes of TikTok right Indeed. Could, now don't get me wrong I'm a 52 year old male, so like um, maybe TikTok isn't my favourite channel, but there are others out there, right? That um, yeah, you know, that's where they consume their data. Certainly, if you went and talked to my kids, right? It's like um, 18 to to 27, and as we spoke before, Anna, about four of them, right? So uh, in that range, you look at those guys; they're more likely to go to TikTok than they are to to go to LinkedIn, right, or yeah. to X or to to Facebook, right? So they they'll use and consume those channels in, in very different ways, and therefore, as a B2B marketer or sales professional, right, my presence yeah, needs to be on all of those relevant channels because I need to be at the watering holes where my clients and, um, and customers go to consume data, um, but I also need to be conscious that those platforms, the way that... Um, um i represent my brand and represent myself and my personal brand on those networks is going to be very very different
0: that that's a really interesting point and you you've got to be visible everywhere all the time you've, you've got to be top of mind haven't you uh on, on these channels and i think that's an interesting one about tiktok because i i'm i got on tiktok really fairly, pretty early actually i would say um and i've always enjoyed it and and um I do see a lot of great B2B stuff on TikTok now. And I'm 41, so I'm not Target, but I'm still on TikTok. And I don't spend ages on it. I'll be on there for 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. But I do see some great stuff. So, yeah, you, companies do have to be aware, don't they? There's quite an education piece involved.
1: Yeah, and, and look, the, the the brand, right? So I if, said, if you think about it, it's called social, right? When was the last time you were social with a brand? The brand needs to be present because it's the brand awareness element right but you're not going to drive don't think as a brand you're going to drive that engagement through um your your brand channel that's where you need to you know get those advocates right whether it be employees whether it be partners or or whether it be you know someone else out in the industry but you need someone advocating on your behalf
0: how do you motivate people to become advocates and 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 get them to to share you know posts etc and content
1: you're not going to do it for everyone. Right, that's uh, that's that's the first point to put out there, Justin. If I looked at our um typical customers at Octopost, right, and the the market that we serve, our ICP, um, employee numbers two hundred to ten thousand is our sweet spot. So that's quite a spread, right? B2B organizations. Um, we all target directly organizations that are in financial services, technology, legal services, accounting. Element of manufacturing consulting services, right? They're they're really our sweet spot, right? Where where we've got um, the majority of our customer base. If we looked at that cohort, yeah. Um, if I looked at my typical customer, it's about twenty five percent of the employee base, yeah, that will make yeah um, an ideal advocate, right? So like um you know twenty five percent yeah twenty five percent. Yeah, so if you looked at the lower end, that 200 employee um, you know, um, organization, you're talking about 50 50 people within inside that company. Yeah, you'll be able to incentivize to get them to become a, a good brand ambassador for you.
0: Right, fantastic. Okay, and and you talked that there's a pretty big range there, like 200 employees, uh, you know, into the thousands. Have you got any advice to even some smaller organisations on how they can? Just make a start with employee advocacy what what are the key what, what's the first you know every marathon starts with one step that sort of thing what, what are the key areas they should focus on first
1: so some of the simple things right is um, um you know whenever so my background right so justin i i started up an employee advocacy program um, at a large technology company, right? The company was called SunGuard. We ultimately ended up selling that business to FIS in uh, in 2015. Um, but when I started with an employee advocacy program, that ultimately led me to become a customer of Octopost, right? So, like, uh, um, when I started, it was around actually educating the people that I wanted to become advocates in what does it mean to be an advocate. Mm. Right. So and it could go down to the simple things of have you got a photo on your LinkedIn profile? And is it professional? Yeah. Or is it you, you know, doing something daft? Yeah, that maybe it's like um, you know, you wouldn't want to bring out in a in a business environment. So, you know, sometimes it's just about polishing up yeah, your your profile on the social network to make sure that it's it's applicable and relevant. Right for the audience that you're trying to um, to communicate with. Like, would you would you turn up would you turn up to a business meeting in shorts and flip flops? Maybe you would if you knew the person, right? Um, maybe you wouldn't if you were a private banker, so like um you know working for um you know a uh, um a, a, an industry leading select so like private bank. Right. So it's, it's all about it's all about who you're trying to connect with and, and the, the image that you're trying to portray. And Is that what your social profile on, say, LinkedIn or, or Twitter actually, or sorry, X actually portrays? Future Fuzz is sponsored by Sales Source B2B pipeline management and sales growth for your business. Brilliant, Colin.
0: So let's talk about now uh, about B2B growth for, for SaaS companies. So I'm um, going to fire two questions at you here. <laughs> how how have you been doing it well at Octopost in terms of, you know, getting new clients on board and going out there and making new relationships? And where, and where have you struggled in this business?
1: Yeah, and, and I think they both go actually hand in glove, Justin. Right, it's like um, you know, Octopost, I joined the the team in March of 2020, right? When I joined the team in March of 2020, in the UK, I had three employees, right? Three employees with me. So like um, the company's headquartered in Tel Aviv, Israel, that's where 50% of the staff are, um, 25% are with me in London, 25% out of our, uh, our offices in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the United States. Right. Um, but if we went back to 2020, we were a relatively small footprint in uh, in the UK from an employee perspective. If I look now, I'm at 24, 25 as of next Monday. Right. And um five of those people have joined us since the start of 2024. Right. So I've I've put in 25% um growth yeah, in the employee base in the UK in, in the last two weeks. Yeah. So What are we doing right? We're growing, right? It's like um, growing at a a considerable rate of knots, but with that growth comes challenges, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, we're no longer that, um, you know, SMB, right? We're no longer that, um, um, you know, the the jack of all trades, master of none, where you know maybe the CEO went out and did some deals or did a little bit of product management or, you know, was our Salesforce admin, right? Or our Marketo specialist, right? And that was the CEO, right? He had to wear many hats. Right. Now because of the growth of the organization and because of the the growth of our customer base, right? It's like um you know we're we're putting in um you know more specialization with inside um, you know, functional, uh, functional verticals. And that brings, you know, challenges for us. It brings challenges from an onboarding perspective. Yeah, um, it brings challenges from a from a HR perspective. Um, you know, it brings challenges from, um, you know, just an, an organizational perspective. I've just moved everyone from a great facility um, over at Old Street to an amazing facility over by Liverpool Street, right? So I've gone from twelve hundred square foot to about four thousand square foot. So you know there's, big there's, jumps. There's, yeah. there's there's those big jumps and it's it's organizational challenges I'm sure all of your listeners have experienced at some point in their careers or or experiencing right now. Yeah, indeed. Indeed.
0: And then and then on to the marketing side of things, because the company is growing, what what marketing activities have really been standing out and, and working well? And, and what have, what needs to be improved in, in your mind?
1: Yeah, so um, look, I, I guess we should say, what's the role of marketing? Right? Everyone yeah. may have a different view of it. But, um, you know, I've always been taught across my career, right, that the the single goal of marketing, right, is is how do I give the best value to my shareholders, right? How do I get, bring the best return on the investment to, to my shareholders? And my shareholders could be very, very different people, right? It could be the literal sense of the term, i.e. the people that own the company, right? Um, yeah. Or it could be, it's like, um, you know, my internal stakeholders, right? It's like my sales team, my my finance team, my legal team, et cetera, right? But um, it's all about how do I bring um you know that return on, on the investment. So for me as a marketer, right, and leading a marketing function, yeah, it, it's all about how do I tie my activities to revenue? Right. So from, from an Octopost perspective, um all of our marketing teams have MQL and SQL objectives because if we if we know um, you know, from a sales perspective, how many SQL, or what the conversion rate from SQL to, to close one business is. If I'm able to measure my marketers and their activity on uh, um, on on those elements, then guess what? We we know that um, we've got a, a measure to, to be able to judge whether we're going in the right direction, whether MQLs or SQLs are of uh, what you want to talk about. So like not you personally, but, um, um, you know, organizations. Some people will say, hey, it's no longer an MQL or an SQL. It's a buying group. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter. As long as you've got something to measure, yeah. yeah, that ultimately, yeah, gives you a metric to be able to say, okay, right, if I get X number of these, I know, yeah, from historical data, yeah, that I should be able to convert that into X amount of pipeline, X amount of closed one business, then, then that's where you go.
0: Fantastic. And are there any particular techniques you, or, or activities that the team are doing that you feel that are working really well? So some will talk about events or some will say, yeah, you've got to do more or white papers and content. And, and, and I feel like 2023 was a good year for webinars as well. I saw a lot of push from companies regarding webinars. What, what, what have you seen that works well? Uh, yes. Yeah, so- I see yeah, potential in, yeah.
1: So if I look at our 2024 marketing plan, because it's highly relevant, because we've just put the, uh, the finishing touches to it and, uh, and starting to align budget to it at the moment, Justin, right? Um, yeah, you know, if we looked at 2023, video worked very well, right? Video worked, video content, especially out on social. And um, we're always going to go social first, right? Because we're a social media company, right? And when yeah. we talk about social, we're talking more about organic versus paid, right? But it's, it's it's a blended marketing mix, right? So it can't all be social. It can't all be events. It can't all be webinars, right? It's it's how do you how do you bring all of that together in the the right quantity at the right time in order to be able to improve the volume, value, and velocity of of, of the deals. So if we look to our marketing plan, right, we've got an element of events, an element of of um, uh third party events that um, that we're sponsoring, right? Maybe, you know, a Forester or a Gartner Summit, others do exist, right? It's like um, um but we're we're actually putting a lot more emphasis on focus on um octopost run and 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 led events, right? right. So yeah. more executive round tables, um, you know, dinners at, at the at, at the, the the bottom end of, of the funnel, right? So like um you know more octopost um you know led panel discussions um um at the top of the funnel right bring in so like um you know new leads new new contacts our podcast also works very well justin right so we've got two podcasts that we run um, one of them is called radically transparent, and that's really focused at um, the the C suite um, from a sales and marketing perspective. So the CMO, CRO will get some amazing guests on there, um, and then we have behind the post, yeah, which is focused more at the the practitioner, right, and giving more tips and tricks on how should you run and how should you manage your uh, your social media activities
0: fantastic yeah i i i see that those practical podcasts do amazingly well obviously massive fan of podcasts right can't can't deny that and then the 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 niche let's say the the sort of bespoke niche events they're always fantastic aren't they they're a great way to engage and and how about the balance between doing you know outbound and and inbound activities where, where do you see that balance
1: yeah so look i, I... Earlier on, I said that um, when I first joined the team, the London team was three was people. Right, so like um, in actual fact, we had one account executive. So when we talk about an account executive, that's that's what we mean from uh, from from new business logos. Right, so we had one one direct salesperson. If I look now in the UK, we've got um, seven sellers, one sales director, and the. Uh, um the head of revenue also sits in the uh, in the UK with me um over in the US yeah similar numbers right it's like um seven sellers one sales director so we've grown that that sales presence um, um tremendously but with it yeah um our expectation is the amount of outbound activity right so self generated yeah um opportunities um, you know the, the sales team will be uh, responsible for for maybe so like um, 60% and, and marketing 40% is that kind of split
0: now kind of split, where I, yeah, where right. i
1: came from it was actually the reverse right so like right. Um, you know it, it was it was more a 40 60 but um here at Octopost, we we look for a 60 40 split
0: Really interesting. And I think uh, m- many companies made a shift or are making a shift at this time d- simply due to market conditions, right? It, it doesn't, it, you'll, you'll definitely see a shift to people doing more outbound and building those relationships. Brilliant stuff.
1: Uh, and with that, Justin, we, we've actually, um, you know, to, to help the sales team, right? It's like, um, you know, there's an investment in technology, right? Platforms such as Outreach, um, others again do exist. Um, but also, um, you yeah, know, we've invested in an SDR function as well. So historically not something that's, that's worked, um, you know, very well or, or that we've necessarily had at Octopost. Yeah. We've now put an SDR team lead in, um, and we've got a, uh, an SDR function, um, over in the US, um, helping our colleagues, our sales colleagues out in North America, um, and an SDR function that, um, is growing and expanding in the UK to help the EMEA and APAC team. We love SDRs here at Source.
0: <laughs> You're preaching to the converted. <laughs> Colin, any last comments on, on anything you'd like to share today before we talk about your mushrooms?
1: My mushrooms? Wow, we're going to talk about the <laughs> uh, the mushrooms that grow in the backfield. Um, and I'm not sure where I can eat those mushrooms, Justin, so that's where I'm going to lean into you. But um, look, to, to me, if I think about, um you know, the, the the intersection between marketing and sales, sales and marketing, right? And that's always been uh, a traditional, you know, place where uh, where people start to butt heads. Because as a marketer it's a case of, hey, I've got a lead. Well, they've right. raised their hand, they've done all of this funky stuff and passed through our lead scoring and, and therefore I've got an MQL. Justin catch the catch the, the, the hot potato, right? And and you've then got a seller sort of standing there saying or sitting there saying, They've done what? They've attended an event. Why does that make them a lead? Hey, they're not even our ICPs. Like, um, what do you want me to do with this? So, you know, to to me, it's a case of 2024, I think, is going to be the year of of signals, right? Uh, Intent signals, engagement signals. It's going to be the year of how do I understand, yeah, based upon... What I'm seeing out there, it's like um you know behavior on on the webs, like um you know behavior through social. How can I bring that all into the technologies that we've invested in as organisations? How can I bring it into my marketing automation platform, the likes of Marketo, Eloqua, HubSpot, Pardot? How can I use it to inform business decisions that I want to take as a seller, maybe in Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics? Right? How do yeah. we how do we take you know those those historical Data silos, knock them down once and for all, and really bring that uh, those those signals together, so that we can empower you, the seller, yeah, to mm-hmm. increase the volume, the value, and the velocity of your sales cycle.
0: Something we've spoken about in another podcast is this idea of pipeline dilution that a lot of sales teams and a lot of marketing teams they fall into is like, look how fantastic it all is and, and look how many leads are coming through and the buying intent and all of this data, when in actual fact, you've got to really take a step back and say, okay, right, how many of those really are ready to convert and, and how are we going to bring them further, further through the funnel?
1: The way we used to measure it, Justin, right, was, oh, it was an inbound lead, came, came from marketing. It was inbound lead, like irrespective of whether it was ICP or not. Right. So, you know, as marketers, we were sitting there saying, Yeah, do you know what we committed to bring in X number of, of, of inbound leads? We did it. In actual fact, we doubled it. Let's feel good about ourselves. Yeah. And then our poor colleagues in sales were sitting there saying, Yeah, but only 5% of them were actually like um, you know, ready to buy something. And by the way, you know, only I don't two percent of them were someone that we could go and sell to because' right. you know, it's yeah. like they were, they were outside of our uh, you know our target market and uh, you know couldn't couldn't afford or didn't see the value yeah, of of the solution so you know over the the the, the last i I'm, I'm going to say the last twelve eighteen months right we started at Octopost yeah, to get very um to get more regimented right on how do we measure the success of marketing. Yeah, based upon the impact the real impact yeah that we're having on the uh, on the revenue cycle
0: fantastic brilliant colin some nuggets some golden nuggets there today for the first recorded podcast of 2024 and uh, and and as we wrap up we can talk briefly about your lovely wood at the back of your house and you you sometimes get some mushrooms growing up there and to tell the listeners that you shared a picture of your, your mushrooms with me, asking if you could eat them. And I have identified them as being non edible.
1: Poisonous. <laughs> so you, poisonous. I poisonous. Think you told me, Justin. Poisonous.
0: They could, be, could well be poisonous. But promise me, Colin, when they start growing again at the end of the summer, you're going to send me some snaps, aren't you? And we're going to. We I'll identify even take some
1: and send them over to you if you want to taste them, Justin. So like, you can tell me if they're poisonous then or not, right? <laughs>
0: Be careful what you pick. Be careful what you pick.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. My daughter's a murder detective as well, Justin. So, uh, you know, I better not go murdering you. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to have her knocking on my door.
0: Well, there you go. So you, so your daughter will very will know about that crazy story in Australia where a lady uh, um, potentially murdered her, what was it? Her ex-partner's in-laws. in-laws yeah, ex-in-laws yeah. Yeah. with a deaf cat mushroom um in australia where well, she said she put it into some sort of stroganoff or something right and funny enough that her
1: him. and her children didn't actually eat it right if i read that story correctly
0: yeah she faked being ill or something but they 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 died so be, if you do pick mushrooms it's all good you can but just be careful people and <laughs> make sure you got a good book or you you're get a with big an forager right justin I, I do forage, yeah. I, w- I, was, I would not say, I'm definitely not an expert. I stick to the basics. Um, so the, the, there's, there's about three that I'll safely pick. Um, the boletta, yeah, my, mine's the filled mushroom et
1: two, Tesco's more, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they come in a little carton, you know? Amazing.
0: Well, I think in your area, you might be lucky. You might have the common filled mushroom growing, which is very... Uh, very common in in the uk and that is the same family as the button which you buy in tesco so let's see
1: excellent i'll keep an eye out i'll send you some photos i'll send you some samples and you can tell me whether i'm gonna make my money in technology or whether i'm gonna make it in in mushrooms (laughs) brilliant Colin. thanks very much coming on the podcast thanks for having us justin thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe.